All right, John 14, verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so, as we saw this morning, Jesus Christ is the way to the Father. He's the only way to the Father. And then go to Matthew chapter 7. Look at verse 13. <clears throat> Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So not only is He the way to the Father, but it is a narrow way. It's a narrow way, and it is the way to life, the way to life. And this way to life is very exclusive. 1 Corinthians 10.13 I want to spend a little bit more time on this verse tonight. <clears throat> the Bible says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Um, this is a verse that we heard a lot as I was growing up because this was the first verse that my father memorized. And so as he would preach, this would come to his mind often. And one of the things that I wanted to say to you and I didn't say this morning is, um, everybody look around. Look around at everybody else in the church right now. All right, here's the deal. You don't have any idea what's going on in their lives. In a general sense, sometimes you do. But our most intimate problems, generally other people don't know. And so what, what we all need to recognize is that everyone goes through trouble. Everyone goes through trouble. When I was in Bible college, we had to listen to the radio broadcast that the pastor had. It was called the Pastor's Study. And he always ended it with this, be good to everyone because everyone's having a tough time. And goodbye from the Pastor's Study. That's the way he ended every time. But be good to everybody because everybody's having a tough time. Um, as pastor, I get to know more of it than a lot of you do. But you all need to remember to pray for the people in the church. Pray for them. Because you don't have any idea what's going on in their hearts and in their lives. And if you're one of those people, that's where this morning was so important. Jesus Christ is the way to escape. When you're going through trouble, He is the way of escape. Some people He delivers out. Enoch walked with God and was not, for the Lord took him. God actually took him out of the world. The rest of, the, of Noah and his family, they had to actually go through the flood. And God protected them in the flood and in the trouble. He took Enoch out of the trouble. You don't know which one of those you're going to be. God may deliver you from trouble. God may take you through trouble. But whatever it is, He is your way of escape. We've got to believe that. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 9. This is such a great passage. It was a little warm in here this morning, and uh, there was an air conditioning problem. And Andy joins this afternoon, went and took care of it and reset some stuff. And isn't that a blessing that we have people in the church? Andy can do that. How many of you are glad we have air conditioning? I mean, I can't hardly keep you awake with air conditioning. If we didn't have it, I wouldn't be talking to anybody. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 9. <laughs> Look at verse 8. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as yet the first tabernacle was yet standing. 
So when that first tabernacle was standing, the tabernacle in the wilderness, the way into that tabernacle wasn't yet revealed. Now, we know what the way was. When that tabernacle was built, there was only one door, and that door always faced to the east, and the tribe that camped outside the, the, on the eastern side of the tabernacle was the tribe of Judah. And so the only way that you could come in to the holiest of all, the place where God was, the only way that the high priest could get in there, it had to come through the lion of the tribe of Judah, through the door, and there's only one door, and that's Jesus. The other thing that I like is there's no exit. Once you're in Jesus Christ, you're in. Now let's look at this text, verse 8 again. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. Now would you mark that holiest of all? Holiest of all. This is an important point. Um, where it says holiest of all there, how many of you have heard of the holy of holies? Your Bible never says that. How many of you, that's an interesting thought. The Bible never says that. We all think it does because that is, whether it's some Hebrew scholars take on it or whatever, but it's the holiest of all, not the holy of holies, the holiest of all. There's the holy place, and that is where the, uh, the sacrifice was made, but the holiest of all on the inside, that, that was only where the high priest could go, the holiest of all. So there's only one way into the holiest of all, and that was not available while the first tabernacle was yet standing, verse 9, which was a figure for the time then present. Now that word figure, it's really important. Remember, for us, prophecy is prediction. We have specific detailed predictions. That's the way that the Western mind is. For the Jew, prophecy is pattern. They're looking for signs and figures and and images and all of those types of things. God gave them that in the tabernacle. And all of that prophesied of Jesus Christ. It all spoke of Him. The, the tabernacle was used for about 35 years. Jesus Christ lived for 33 years. The tabernacle was in the wilderness. Jesus Christ came into this world which has been called a wilderness. On the outside of the tabernacle, it was covered in goat skins. It was ugly. On the inside, it was solid gold. Just as Jesus Christ had no beauty or comeliness, though when we saw Him, we would desire Him, the Bible says in Isaiah 53. But He was, on the inside, Almighty God. It all pictured Him. In the outer court, you had the, the altar where the, the brazen altar, and that brass pictures uh, sacrifice and suffering and judgment. And that the Bible says that Jesus Christ is our sacrifice. There was the, the brazen laver, and the laver was where the ceremonial washing would take place. But that washing, all of the other implements had specific detailed measurements. The laver didn't. Why? Because the cleansing of Jesus Christ's blood is limitless. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus Christ's blood can forgive you. Jesus Christ's blood can cleanse you. It all pictures Him. You go inside into the holy place and there was the, uh, the, the golden candlestick. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. There was the table of showbread. And on the table of showbread were two rows of six loaves, like the 66 book of, books of the Bible. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the living bread. It all speaks of Him. You had the veil and you'd open up the veil. Or oh, the altar of incense was in there as well. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ's 
Sacrifice was a sweet-smelling savor to the Father. You had the veil, and Jesus Christ, when He died, God rent that veil in two from top to bottom, giving us access into the holiest of all through Jesus Christ. It all speaks of Jesus inside the holiest of all. The only thing that was there was the, the Ark of the Covenant. Inside the Ark of the Covenant was Aaron's rod that budded. Aaron's rod that budded. How many of you have ever seen a dead piece of wood? Right? It doesn't grow. The miracle of that was it was the picture of Jesus Christ who would die and rise from the dead. Aaron's rod that budded is there. There's a pot of manna, and the Bible says that that manna, that manna was a picture of the living bread, Jesus Christ, that would come. The law was in the ark. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ didn't come to destroy the law, but He came to fulfill it. And until heaven and earth pass away, not one jot nor one tittle will pass away. Why? Because Jesus Christ Himself is the living Word who preserves the Word of God. You can destroy that tablet, but God remembers what He wrote. Amen? It's all preserved and it all speaks of Him. And on top of that was the mercy seat. The mercy seat was made of shittim wood covered in gold. And that's picturing that what's called the hypostatic union of Jesus Christ. He was 100% God and 100% man without sin. And that mercy seat pictures that. And the high priest would come in and sprinkle the blood on that mercy seat. And God Himself, again, the, the Shekinah glory of God. How many of you have heard that being in the holiest of holies? Again, Shekinah glory is not in your Bible anywhere. God Himself would be in that holiest of all, and He would hover over that mercy seat. And when He would look at that broken law, He'd see it through the blood of Jesus Christ. Everything in that tabernacle and everything in that temple was a figure of Jesus Christ. Let's look at this text again. Verse 8. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as yet the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices, look at what the Bible says, that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. So now, the, the high priest... He would go in there and make the sacrifice once a year for all the people and it could not clean his, his conscience. It couldn't do it. Why? Because there was still a remembrance of sin. Because that blood that went onto the mercy seat never washed anyone's sin. It covered it. It covered it. Now, look what the Bible says in verse 10. Which stood only, look at this, in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of Reformation. So they had all these things they had to do. Ceremonial washings. Look at what, look at what it says. Different meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances. That's physical. It was physical. That's what the law was. It was all outward. That's what it was. Now we have something new. The New Testament is we trust in the blood of Jesus Christ. We don't make sacrifices. We don't, we don't have to wear something to have access to God. We don't have to eat or drink something to have access to God. Isn't it interesting that there are still churches that teach that you have to have communion to have access to God through drinks and meats? Hebrews makes it very clear. 
that that is not the case anymore. Salvation is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, not whether or not you take the Lord's Supper. Amen? And i got to tell you, people get real worked up about the Lord's Supper and communion. We need to have it more. We need to have it more. We need to have it more. That's because there is such a Catholic understanding of communion. Now, it is time for us to do the Lord's Supper again. And it's a wonderful thing when we do it. Amen? But man, it doesn't have anything to do with whether or not you go to heaven. There are people that are afraid to die because they haven't been baptized yet. You know, if somebody's about to die and they want to be baptized, they can't be baptized. We don't go sprinkle them. Right? First of all, God knows their heart. That's the issue. God knows their heart that they're willing to be. Amen? And secondly, they should have done it when they could. Amen? We are so soft. And what's interesting is so many people, they try to put off salvation until so long, they get to where they're not healthy enough to do anything for God. What should they have done? They should have gotten saved earlier. Praise God they got saved. But the Bible says they are saved yet so as by fire. They have swung over hell on a banana peel. They smell like smoke. They've just bare, that's what, that's the language the Bible uses. They're saved. They don't lose everything. They, they lose their rewards, but they, they make it in. Yet so as by fire, the Bible says. They barely make it. Look, we don't need any outward signs. We don't need any outward symbols in order to have salvation. All of that was pointing to the sacrifice that Jesus Christ would make. Look at what it says. Verse 11, but Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. What's the tabernacle there? His body. His body. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained, what's it say? Eternal redemption for us. Can you believe some people still believe they can lose their salvation? What is eternal redemption? It's eternal redemption. You have been purchased. He has paid the price for your salvation. If you receive the gift of eternal life and His blood is applied to your account, that is eternal The eternal salvation does not start after you die. It starts the moment that you are saved. Hallelujah. That's a better way. That's a new, that's a perfect way. Verse 13, For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Now, here's the cool thing. Look at what it says in verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve 
the living God. The Bible says that He is the way into the holiest of all. So there's a couple of things. He gives you access to God. So this is the key. Not only is He the way to the Father, the narrow way, the the way of life, not only is He that, but He's the way to the holiest of all. We don't only get access to God, we get access to God in the place of forgiveness. That's awesome. That's awesome. Through Jesus Christ, we gain that access. Not only do we gain that access into the holiest of all, we gain access into holiness. Now, who here would be honest enough to say that you need to be more holy than you are? Would you raise your hand. Right? How does that happen? Through the way. Through Jesus Christ. It's not your own personal holiness. It's the holiness of Jesus Christ. He is the way to holiness. The way of holiness, as is said in the Old Testament. Then the other thing that I want you to see is He is the way to a clean conscience. He's the way to a clean conscience. Don't raise your hand on this. But how many of you struggle with past sin? There's no reason for you to have an unclear conscience. You can regret what you did, but it is under the blood. It has been washed. It's not under the blood. That's Old Testament. It's been washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. He's cast your sin as far as the east is from the west, and He remembers it no more. You can have a clean conscience. Now, if you don't have a clear conscience right now, it might be something that you need to confess to God. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you've got something on your conscience right now, you need to take it to God. If you've got something that you need to ask forgiveness for, you need to go to that person and get it right. But I can tell you this, Jesus Christ does not want you to have anything on your conscience. His blood, His blood has given you the way to a clear conscience. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 10. Look at what this is such a wonderful verse. Verse 19, Hebrews 10, 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh, And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an, what's it say? Evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So what is this talking about? Now there's a living way. Isn't it wonderful that we don't serve a dead Savior? I remember years ago they found a finger of Buddha. And so there's this temple, I think it's in Japan, where people go up and they worship one of Buddha's fingers. You know what's wonderful? You're not going to find one of Jesus Christ's fingers on earth. He still has them. The Bible says he didn't break a bone. He's complete. He's in heaven right now and he's coming back for you and me. But right now he is there making intercession for us, making intercession for the saints. It is a living way. We don't have, we don't have a dead faith. We have a living faith. We don't have a dead Savior. We have a risen Savior. We, we have a, a living, vibrant, real faith. That's what we have. It is a living way. And look at what this living way does for us. 
Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, that's another reference to that tabernacle, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart. Is your heart true? A true heart. Now, we know what that means. You know what that means from all of your romance stories, ladies. A, a true heart is just a heart. You know, my heart needs to be devoted completely to Laura. Her heart. I want her heart. And that's what Jesus Christ wants from us. The church is His bride. We need to have a true heart. Do you love Jesus? Do you have, do you have passion for something other than Christ? And this is where we need to examine our priorities. Where is Christ in the pecking order of your passion? Look at what it says. Let us draw near, verse 22, with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled and an evil from an evil conscience. Do you have an evil conscience? I want you to think about this. If you are bound up in your past sin and you're saved, that's an evil conscience. Isn't that interesting? Why? Because it's a lack of faith. You're not believing what Jesus Christ accomplished for you on the cross. Do you have an evil conscience? Remember, guilt has no place in the life of the believer. There's no place for guilt. There's conviction that brings you to a place of repentance. And after that, you give it up to the Lord. Look at 2 Peter chapter 2. Second Peter chapter 2, look at verse 1. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Now look at what this says. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Jesus Christ is not only the way to the Father and the narrow way. He's not only the way to life and the way to a clean conscience. He's not only the way into the holiest of all. He is the way of truth, the way of truth. And damnable heresies undermine the way of truth. The Bible says in Galatians that, uh, that when a person moves to false doctrine, they're moving away from the one that bought them. They're moving away from Jesus Christ, the way of truth. Jesus Christ is the way of truth. Look at verse 15. Which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of uh, Bozor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. So there's a right way and there's a wrong way. If someone's, if a minister is in the ministry for the money, that's the wrong way. Like that, was it Creflo Dollar that was trying to raise, I don't know, $30 million because God wanted him to have an airplane? How many of you think that might be a probably a not a good motive? You realize how many missionaries you can support for $30 million? How many churches that could be planted so that he could be a little more comfortable as he travels? That's ridiculous, folks. Now, I guess he's backed off that. He got so much flack from it, he's backed off of it. But it is, it, it's just crazy. That Jesse Duplantis and those guys, Jesse Duplantis, when he comes to preach It Only Believes, comes in on his private jet. I think I've got a new calling. Can you imagine? 
It is just, it is just insane. And that's what the way of Balaam is. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. Those, those that are at, in the ministry for the money, that is the wrong way. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. Do you know what we need to walk in? We need to walk in the way of truth. And isn't it interesting that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? No man comes to the Father but by me. That's what the Bible says. It would be a really good study for you to go through your Bible and just look at all the things that the Bible says about the way. Remember the Apostle Paul persecuting all of those people who were of the way. The way. What way? They were walking in Jesus. They were walking in Christ. He's the way. So here's the question for you. How's your conscience tonight? How's your conscience? Have you been praying for other people in the church who might be going through some kind of temptation? Are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Where are you in all this? And then are you walking in the right way? Are you doing what you're supposed to do biblically? Now remember, you don't go to heaven because you do the right things. You go to heaven because Jesus Christ is your Savior. Is Jesus Christ your Savior? Do you know for sure that if you died today, you'd go to heaven? If He's not your Savior, it doesn't matter how good you are. You're not going to go to heaven. But Jesus Christ died so that you can know for sure that heaven is your home. Isn't that wonderful? And then in this life, you can have a clear conscience. You can know how to write, walk the right way. When you're in trouble, you can have a way of escape. That's what Jesus Christ came to provide for us. We need to live in that, don't we? We need to live in that. I don't know where you are this week. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I hope this week that you'll see Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. The narrow way. The way to the Father. The way of escape. The way into the holiest of all. The way to a clean conscience. The right way. The living way. That's who Jesus Christ is. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word.